The Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Nola holds, and the pitch. Swing, and that's a line drive down the right field line. Fair ball into the corner. Carroll powering towards third. It gets away from Castellanos. Carroll's going to score easily. Marte on his way to third, and it's an RBI triple. Diamondbacks extend their lead. It's now 4-1. to one. I realize Kyle Schwarber has five home runs in this series. Bryce Harper is on fire. I get it. I get it. Cattell Marte might be the hottest hitter on the planet right now. He has 11 hits in six games in this series. He's hitting 423, the on-base 444. His OPS is over 1,000. Cattell Marte is far and away the best player the Diamondbacks have in this series and in this postseason, in my opinion. So tell you what. I'm looking right now. We've got we had our little uh, video call going on here. I can see Alex Weiner. He's giving me the peace sign. I want to make sure that he's ready to go. Hop on with us right now. Yeah, I'm getting the thumbs up. Cool. Let's do it. He seems very excited to be here. I don't know why he hasn't smiled yet. Alex, defend yourself. Come on, man. Defend myself. I'm. How could I possibly not be excited to be speaking to you two on anything <laughs> like this? <laughs> well, it's been it's been a few games since we got to chat with you. Um, so let's quickly reset so the last time that we talked to you you were from philadelphia and this team was down two games to none now here we are and we're facing a game seven tomorrow how did we get here it's kind of a loaded question but how did we get here yeah where do you want to start my goodness i mean because you know you look at it in kind of in its entirety okay the only way to get to a game seven is to win three out of four games one of which on the road against a phillies team that looked unbeatable after the first two games but you know, you go game by game and, you know, they grind out that walk-off win in game three. And then in game four, they answer back again with the huge Alec Thomas home run and the Gabriel Moreno game winning hit. And then, you know, game five sort of felt like, okay, the momentum may have gone a little bit uh, the other way, but no, they completely punched back tonight. I mean, to, and, and Paul Sewald mentioned like not only the early runs, but to hold them in the first inning with a couple of runners on base and then that leads to them scoring in response to that. It just completely, you know, changed the energy of the game compared to what we saw last time they came here, where the Phillies were the ones kind of enforcing early, early home runs, getting the crowd going, getting ahead, and you know, ended up holding on to both leads. The Diamondbacks didn't lead at any point in those first two games. Today was completely different, and the Diamondbacks playing from ahead a little bit different than playing from behind. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just they kept. Game by game, it looked a little bit different. It wasn't always the cleanest, but um, to get to this point is, is a pretty remarkable achievement. Our D-backs insider Alex Weiner joins us live from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Uh, strategy early in the game was to, it appeared, pitch around Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. They walked both of them in the first and then walked Schwarber again later. It seemed like they didn't mind too much, that it was kind of semi-intentional. Is that a strategy that you could see the Diamondbacks trying to utilize again in Game 7 with Brandon Fought, where you tell him, like, hey, let's pitch around those guys and make the other seven in the lineup beat us? Yeah, possibly. Uh, you know, Merrill talked about it after the game and wasn't too upset that he put those guys on and was able and had the confidence to go out and get the others out. So I don't think walking them necessarily specifically was the plan, but um, you're right. Pitching around them, making sure you're a little bit more cautious given how hot of a bat they've had, especially with Schwarber. So, but, you know, fought in game or what was that? Game four, game 
I'm forgetting game my game. Three, that I was game three. You're good. Uh, you're good. I, it's, it's either a game day or it's not a game day. That was, game <laughs> that was a two to they one all run, run together. So, uh, exactly. So, but, but Spa was, you know, pretty aggressive, um, but he was just locating really, really well, not giving them much to hit outside of, you know, one breaking ball that kind of got away from him that Schwarber fouled off 400 and infinity feet. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, he was really aggressive against both of those guys. And, and you know, when you can kind of pinpoint well, um, yeah, everybody has a hole in their swing and fought looked good against them. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be like pitching around them to the degree that we saw today. Um, again, it's, it's not like either trying to walk them, but yeah, they're going to be more cautious to those guys compared to the rest of the lineup because those are the guys who have been, you know, crushing them for some of these games. This is the third game that you were in attendance in Citizens Bank Park with that Philadelphia crowd, that raucous Philadelphia fan base just coming off of a Sunday night football win the night before as well. So surely they're amped up and it felt like the enthusiasm from the crowd was gone pretty darn quickly. Wouldn't you say so yourself? Cause you were there. Yeah, it was night and day. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big difference between hitting two home runs in the first inning compared to going down three early. And um, the crowd mimicked that because after the Evan Longoria double that made it three, nothing. I mean, it was like pretty, pretty quiet for a few minutes and um, you know, they did their best to get ramped up, you know, they get the run back and the momentum starts to turn, but then that's kind of all they get. And it was a pretty frustrated crowd for the rest of the game. And some of the loudest they got was when they were booing Craig Kimbrell when he came into the game, which was just surreal <laughs> because it had a light show and like the closer montage video and all that kind of stuff. And the crowd is booing. Uh, and then people are leaving before the game ends. And it's like, wow, this is, this is nuts. The way that, um, you know, again, with, with Seawald, he said after the game, it was like, yeah, I don't that we didn't really see them sit down for much of the first couple of games. And that was a little different. So totally different energy. And it kind of shows just how big getting ahead in these high leverage games can matter, especially when you're the road team um, trying to make it uncomfortable for the home team. After five really solid innings of work, Merrill Kelly gets pulled by Tori Lovello, and they showed the video on the broadcast of the confrontation, I guess you would call it, the incident between the two where Lovello basically stuck his hand out as to thank Merrill Kelly for doing his job, and Merrill's like, well, I'm not done yet. Why would you pull me now? Why I just struck out two of their best hitters. Why am I not getting the sixth? And I understand his frustrations with that as well. Um, did you get the chance to talk with Merrill after the game about how he was feeling after getting pulled a little bit early? Uh, I did not, but I went back and watched it. It was, you know, it's one of those things where you could either go to the clubhouse or you go to the interview room. He was in the interview room. I was in the clubhouse. You know, it's it's kind of a, a push and pull when right. uh, over here. But yeah, I was able to to watch what he said about it and. You know, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. He's a competitor who just struck out Schwarber and Harper to get out of the inning, and he thought, okay, he's on a bit of a roll at that point. He gave up a handful of base runners early, but to that point, he was executing really, really well. So he didn't think he was done. But Torrey, you know, he was at 90 pitches. They've got to the point in the game that they wanted to, where they could set themselves up with sort of the the Thompson, Ginkle, Seawald, little soft Frank thrown in there, um, and rely on your best relievers to that point. He was at 90 pitches because he had to throw a lot of pitches early. Uh, he was at 65 pitches through three innings, um, which is a heavy workload and a lot of stressful pitches before he kind of um, settled down onto a rhythm. So, yeah, it was it was just one of those things where he felt like Merrill had did had done his job and they had the relievers behind him locked up and ready to go to kind of finish the thing out. Kind of a minutia question again for me. I love the minutia of baseball games, but at the point when it got to a four-run 
of separate four runs of separation. Were you surprised that Tory still executed the plan of that core four at the back end of the bullpen? No, you have to win. You know, there's no you know room to bring in somebody else who, you know, and the other guys have been really good. Um, it's it's not like you know Miguel Castro and Luis Frias and like it's not like those guys have been very good. But um, when you have the opportunity up a few runs against and especially up as offense as potent as this one and how I mean, we've seen how quickly they can turn it on. So to lean on your best guys and get yourself to the next day, I, I don't think there was much of a question there. Would there be any concern about them going a second consecutive day tomorrow? Because as we've seen it telegraphed in the past, and I see you shaking your head already, but as we've seen it telegraphed in the past, Brandon Fott gets the good chunk and then it goes to those four, but they've been lights out all postseason. Any concerns about them going a second consecutive day? No. <laughs> Plain <Straight and> simple. <laughs> he just hates when I ask minutiae questions. Mean, That's all it is. No, it's it's not really a minutia. I mean, it's not that. It's it's you know Thompson threw 15 pitches. Stall Frank only had to throw sixth because Gabby Moreno threw out Cal Schwarber, who decided to test his arm. An unbelievable throw, by the way. The only way you get him is with a perfect throw, and of course Moreno delivered that. Um, Ginkle 13 pitches. Seawald 11 pitches. Nobody had a big inning where they had to like grind it out for 25 pitches. I mean, they all they all had the day off yesterday, so. It's one of those things where it's going to be all hands on deck. It's game seven, and um, they've counted on those guys in back-to-back days of this postseason already. Um, this will, this is an even lighter load than a lot of those guys threw when they threw back-to-backs earlier this postseason, even earlier this series. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect too much of a, of a limitation on what they're able to do in the bullpen. We're talking with our D-backs insider. Alex Weiner is joining us live from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia after the Game 6 victory for the Diamondbacks. Uh, One of the hottest bats and one of the most confident bats in the lineup right now is Alec Thomas. Hit that two-run homer in Game 4. He hits another one the next game. He's involved heavily in this game. Do you keep Alec Thomas in the lineup for Game 7 despite the fact that you're going to face the lefty, Ranger Suarez? Yeah, um... I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a radio booth. So once in a while, someone pokes their head in. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good question because yeah, this series they've done it a little bit differently. Um, they've gone with the DH of Longoria with Rivera taking over third base, getting more right-handed heavy. Um, that's going to be a good question, but I don't know. He has been so good these past few days, and it's not just with you know the home run um, today. Two big walks. I mean, for him to come up after the two home runs were hit work a walk, you know, get, get yourself in position to get the inning. Um, and then Longoria sees a couple of good pitches to hit and then drives him home. So um, he gets on base a couple more times in this game. He steals second. I mean, he, he put them in positions to score even more. And so um, just the defensive value that he provides, cause again, another awesome defensive game from him, um, specifically that ball that he cut off, forget who the hitter was, but um, I think it was Stott. But there was a ball that he cut off in center field that prevented him from getting to second base. That could have been potentially a huge deal. So just the defensive value that he brings paired with just how confident he looks and how good of the at-bats that we've seen and how patient he's been at the plate these last couple of games. I, I, I don't know. It's... You know, if it was my call, I'd put him in there, but it's not my call. So we'll see what happens. Well, one guy that we know is very likely going to be a part of tomorrow's lineup and maybe even moved up a spot in the order. That's Cattell Marte, who tied the the record for a postseason hitting streak to start your postseason career. Now he's reaching other territory as far as postseason hitting streaks. What can be said about the value that Cattell Marte has brought to this team? I mean, he's been a superstar this series. He's been a superstar this whole postseason. And um, 
it's hard to overstate just the value that he has brought like as an offensive player uh in this and you know again today um you know early his first couple of bats he didn't get a whole lot done but um to come up you know corbin on first base um it was one of those deals where it's like you know corbin didn't go they threw over one of the times and it's like how much does that impact you know the pitcher's focus on the hitter and i don't think it was necessarily a horrible pitch by nola but um Cattell had his zone and he just absolutely nailed uh, a pitch up and in into the right field corner for three uh, and then he comes up again and the D-backs really struggled with runners in scoring position in this game um they scored five runs but it easily could have been seven or eight maybe and but Cattell was the, the guy who got it done and that's that's been consistently what he's been throughout this postseason run so they're not here without him and uh he had another monster performance today and um, kind of creating that insurance to go up 5-1 was a huge deal with how powerful this lineup could have been. I mean, you know, if it's still 3-1, that's just higher pressure pitches and the tying run comes up to the plate a couple times probably, and um, it just looks a little bit different, but they were able to kind of groove through this thing largely because they were up by four runs. If you're the Phillies, why even pitch to them? I mean, I know Schwarber's got five home runs in this series. I know Bryce Harper's been great, but Cattell Marte's the hottest hitter in this series. He's got 11 hits in six games. He's a switch hitter, so you're always going to have the advantage as a hitter against the pitcher. And with the way Corbin Carroll hasn't really performed in this series, I don't know why the Phillies are still pitching to Cattell. Wouldn't you walk him or at least try to pitch around him the way the Diamondbacks did with Schwarber and Harper tonight early in this game? Yeah, maybe in, in certain situations. Um walk him every time he comes up maybe i don't know that's 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 an interesting (laughs) idea you can uh, send over to rob thompson but i'll text um, him yeah he's been really he's yeah i'm sure i'm gonna speed (laughs) up uh for sure yeah i mean it's a good question he's he's been terrific um it's it's he hasn't had the the home runs that schwarber has had that have like you know really changed the game in a different way but at the same time he continuously gets it you know, has been getting the job done with runners on. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it, they're obviously going to have a game plan as far as pitching around him and trying to limit his impact. But, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a ton of intentional walks, especially he's going to be the leadoff hitter tomorrow. So he's going to have an opportunity to set the tempo against a left-handed starter. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he looks. But he's, he's, he's always been a better right-handed hitter than a left-handed hitter. So maybe there's an opportunity there for him to continue this magical run. All right, two very, very quick things, and then we'll let you rest up and get ready for this tomorrow, Game 7, do or die. Um, rest up? I still got to write. Well, he, has it holding me up? I, I was just trying to be generous about what I was saying. Um, I don't know if you've seen, um, over in the ALCS, it's currently 8-2 to two in the bottom of the fourth in favor of Texas, so maybe it's going that way. And then the other thing I wanted to ask is, have you had a cheesesteak yet? Is your last chance is tomorrow. <laughs> Um, what was your question about the Rangers? There's no question. I was just letting you know it's eight to two, bottom four, right now as we're speaking. Uh, okay, that's that's good to know. That's the. I mean, it'd be, that would be an interesting matchup. I mean, the the battle of two teams who are in last place in 2021 coming back <laughs> and making the World Series to play each other. That'd <laughs> be pretty true. cool. Um, and uh, the D-backs have played pretty well against the Rangers this season. Um, so that would also kind of that would be a storyline. Uh, the Philly cheesesteak, not yet. That will be a tomorrow mission of mine. It better be at the top of your Fantastic. list. Fantastic, but I say it, of course. With I love. will send you a selfie with with the cheesesteak in my go. hand. There right, we Alex. go. That's what I love to hear. Alex Weiner, who does a fantastic job covering the Dimex for us here at Arizona Sports. Alex, we'll let you get back to it. We know you got a long night ahead and a long day ahead tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Okay. Thanks, Alex.
Thank you. All right. That's Alex Weiner joining us here on the Arizona Sports NLCS postgame special. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, he's raising the roof. <laughs> I, I still see him on the video, so he's just he's having a good time. He's got at least one left, man. Yeah. These Diamondbacks just won't go away. There's going to be Game 7 tomorrow. They've That's got crazy. a shot at winning the pennant still. More than a shot. It's, it's right there for the taking. And we could be heading to the World Series for the first time in 22 years. Was Alex even alive 22 years ago? Um, I can't. I'm, he still was probably like, I'm still seeing him on the camera. He's smirking. He was probably I'm, like four or five years old, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, no. that's how long ago we're talking about. <laughs> All right, listen, this is going to do it for us tonight after a Game 6 victory for the Diamondbacks. 5-1, to one, they looked great in this game. They will get a Game 7. Can you believe that we are here? Snakes alive. And we'll be here again tomorrow for Game 7. All the reaction after the game, first pitch, 5-0-7. All right, for my co-host Mitch Vereldis, for everyone else who makes the show possible, for our guest tonight, our D-backs insider Alex Weiner joined us from Philadelphia. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. We hope you'll join us tomorrow as we will be recapping after the game all the action from Game 7. Please join us on the Arizona Sports NLCS post-game special.